Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm here. I'm ready. We're we're game on. We're ready, and I feel very confident on this episode because we have Mr. Confidence on air with us. Cornelius, thank you for joining us on. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Right on. And then then we have myself, Juan Ortiz, and. Nate Landshark Shermer. Heck yeah, folks. Welcome to another (laughs) Triple B Adventures podcast. Uh, The Nate that we have on today, Mr. Cornelius Simon, I met at a networking mixer uh, for Life by Design magazine. These were the folks that previously had us competing for the um, most impactful nonprofit Mm -hmm. in San Diego. And if you remember, uh, it was uh, All Star Gold Star? Active Valor. Yes, Active Valor that made first place. Uh, we were lucky enough to come in second place in nice. this competition. So pretty good that they, you know, took the time, mm-hmm. highlighted the mm-hmm. veteran community uh, and nonprofits that are impactful. And then uh, these networking mixers where I met you, Courtney. Yes, always fun. How, how did you hear about the Life by Design group? So I, I, I think my first visit was in the early in 20, 2018. I went to the same mixer you and I met, uh, Life by Design magazine. You know, we're, I'm, I'm a social person, so I like to network, uh, entrepreneur, businessman. So, of course, I'm going to go where the people are at. And so I came to know uh, Life by Design magazine and Stigla and uh, Success Circle through that event there. So I was with them in, ter- in terms of following their events all pretty much all of 2018. Right on, right yeah. on. Yeah. And when I met you, you had uh, it was a very brief meeting, uh, but you had told me that you were former Navy. So yes, yes. So let's start there. What got you into the Navy? Where where did you grow up, and how did you enlist? So I, I, I'm born and raised in uh, Louisiana, Lake Charles, Louisiana, which is uh, southwest, kind of maybe two hours south of uh, Houston. So for me, I had a couple of choices. I was just speaking about this earlier today uh, when I was speaking at Palomar College. Um, I had a couple of choices. I either can work at the plant, uh, which is what my father did. I can uh, sell drugs. Or I can go into the military because I was not academically inclined. I didn't have, you know, any athletic abilities at that time. And I don't think I do now. Um, I you was look a, like you're. Yeah, I, 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 I put on weight. I put on weight. I put on weight after uh, after I left high school and went into the military because I was I was I said to myself I'm going to prove these you know people who you know uh, picking at me because I was bullying high school. You, okay. you, you can I'll, say motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I won't. So I won't mention the high school. But anyways, but they'll they'll put two and two together. But yeah, so I was determined when I left high school that you know I was gonna come back a different person because I was bullied in high school, and couldn't get the girl. And that's what my book, The Confidence Factor, talk about. But to get back on the Navy question, again, I had a choice what I was gonna do. It's like okay, I don't want to sell drugs. My father beat beat us into us about not going to jail and to penitentiary, penitentiary and whatnot, so I'm not going to do that. And so for me, the only logical choice was to go into the Navy, to go into the military. I tried for the Air Force, couldn't make it to the Air Force, not surprised, back then, not <laughs> surprised, but the Navy accepted me. And so I went into the Navy, uh, and two weeks out of high school, was gone. Say, deuces, mama, I'm out. I'm wow. out. I got to go. I'm not staying around here. I got to go. Did you, did you finish high school, or was this like after graduation you went? No, it was, yeah, it was after graduation. Okay. So it was basically two weeks to the day. I remember two weeks to the day after graduation from high school, I was gone. I was on my, I took my first airline flight, landed here in San Diego. Nice. Yeah. Nice. How long were you in the, the debt program? Um, I think I started my, uh, my process, paperwork, whatever, the first, the back half of the, uh, my senior year. So call okay. maybe January, February of that, uh, of what, 1989. I went into the local armed forces office saying, hey, I want to join. And from that, then by June, June, I was gone. And so okay. it didn't take long. So I guess they needed folks at that time. Uh, yeah, so not long. Yeah. And was there was there any prior family that had been in the service or Navy? No, we're, uh, we're the first, first generation. generation. Yeah, my, right my older brother, he uh, Navy Reserve. So he was already a, as a reservist in the Navy. And I have another brother who uh, went to the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So Navy, Navy, Air, Air Force. Navy, Air Force, Navy. So really, but in terms of generation, no, first generation uh, uh, brothers, siblings going into the military. Because again, you know, our choices were limited at that time. It was either, you know, going to work at a plant, you know, work at a retail store or, you know, sell drugs. And yeah. I wasn't a good pimp, so. <laughs> I couldn't get the ladies, so I wasn't going to try to pimp. Yeah, whatever. It's just, you know. So going going into the Navy, did mm-hmm. you have an idea of what you wanted to do as, as far as a rate or a job? Absolutely or not. I out? didn't. Well, of course, you know, every kid dreams, so I thought I was going to get in there and be a, a uh, Air Force pilot, you know. D- around that time, you got to understand, around that time, Top Gun was mm. very popular. Yeah. Remember those days? So Top Gun, you know, was, was probably came out 
or early in my uh, high school high school years. And so, of course, I'm fascinated with you know Tom Cruise and zooming jets and stuff like that. I even remember I had my class ring uh, from high school had you know uh, airplanes inside it. So cool. I did have some some dreams of of uh, being an Air Force uh, a pilot, which is why I chose I went to the Air Force first. I was trying to get to the Air Force first, but when I got accepted to the Navy, they had, again, because of my ASVAB, my score, they had nothing they really can put me into because I was not, my score was not high enough. It just wasn't high enough. Um, and hence why I didn't go to college initially. So when I got in, I didn't know what I was gonna do. I went to boot camp here, uh, NTC, San Diego, now Liberty Station. And they said, okay, you got a couple choices. You can go be a bolster mate, or you can go do this, or you can go be a radio man. And so I chose to be a radio man, communication, went to A school here uh, in San Diego, and then was a uh, duty station to uh, Kitty Hawk. Really quick, what what's it like? Have you gone through Liberty Station now that it's, it's oh, all man. renovated? I, and so I just I just uh, returned back to San Diego, call it three years ago. And so I'm taking my, my family around. It's like, hey, this is where Daddy used to hang out, you know, going down Rosecrans and sports radio. Oh, I remember Lace Girls. That place is still there. Something hasn't changed in, in sports radio midway. I think and it's a church now. No, no. They, they turned one of them into a church. Really? Well, no, not the it, one was, on... it was the body shop that they changed into a church. Is it really? The Rock Church. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But That's no, so now Lay Girls is still there. I almost passed, passed it up last night. Like, yeah, I remember. 17-year-old, <laughs> 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 whatever. Right, before, right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I, I walked, I, I took my family back down to Rosecrans area, and I was like, wow, this is where I had boot camp basic training in A school, and look at it now. It changed to Liberty Station. Most of it is, you know, is more um, uh, cons- uh, public. Obviously, they got the Marine, I think the Marine Corps on the other side. But yeah, I was I was surprised. But it was kind of a nostalgia, you know, coming back and seeing, Seen, still seeing the building. Seeing, yeah, that exactly. To point them out. Yeah, how the I used buildings to walk. are exactly the same. Exactly, yeah. really. How I used to walk out from the other side of the base to come out the front gate on Linton Street and go down Rosecrans. And yeah, man. Pretty cool. Just drink, Pretty drink, cool. drink, 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 drink. That's all we did. <laughs> so, so being in the Navy now, mm-hmm. what was it like uh, after after you got out of boot camp? You said mm-hmm. you did boot camp here. Yep. Um, so, what was your first duty station? Your first ship? So, my first ship, one and only duty station, was um, USS Kitty Hawk. And so, when I finished A school, the Kitty Hawk was actually in dry dock in Philadelphia. So, they, they was over doing the rehaul. There, there were ports out of here in San Diego. So, my True duty station was here in San Diego, Coronado, actually, but I had to go meet the ship in Philadelphia, and they were in dry dock for I think a year and a half. We stayed there for a year and a half, and that's a whole nother life just living out in Philadelphia. Phew, I bring back all those memories. <laughs> that's why we do this. Yeah, I, I mean, like that. It's like giving you those. It, it is. It is. You, yeah. you forget about you know the things that you experience. Uh, you know, for me, it's about twenty years removed. Uh, but yeah, so I went to Philadelphia, met my ship out there. Uh, during the time where we were in dry dock, I remember uh, spending six weeks on a fast frigate. I think it was the USS Patterson. That was my first uh, trip to Cuba. I did a few of them to Cuba. And it was my first time actually being on the water because, again, the Kitty Hawk was dry dock, so it wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I was on this fast frigate and just, uh, you know, being a, being a sailor. Uh, so it was it was cool. Yeah. What uh, what are some Cuba stories? Um. <laughs> shake it, shake it, shake it. <laughs> well, I mean, aside from the women, which is the obvious thing, is in the drinking. I have one story that really stand out. It's not as glamorous as the women and the, the alcohol, but I remember walking down uh, some some street in in Cuba, walking to uh, I guess where I was hanging out at. Granted, now I'm at that time probably 18 years old, been okay. living in Louisiana all my life, so not really uh, traveled or know a lot about you know other, outside where I'm from. And so I'm walking down the street, and there's these ditches on both sides. And I see, I look down the ditch, and I see these iguanas, just like iguanas everywhere, just crawl up and down. And I'm like, oh, this is real. And so that was kind of like, wow, you're in another country. You're not in this, yeah. the safety of the U.S. and whatnot. So I remember that being a distinct story because that was my first time seeing a real iguana, you know, in its natural habitat. Uh, so yeah, it was and, and from cool. what I hear, they're very abundant. It's like our rats yes. are there. It, that's what I'm saying. It, they were just everywhere. They were just uh. everywhere. It was like, wow, this is nasty looking at it, but <laughs> kind of like, wow, this is this is real. So, yeah. And I'm wondering if they have all those iguanas, do they not have a rat problem then because the iguanas will eat? Yeah, I wonder if like the rats eat the iguanas yeah. and the iguanas eat the rats because I think they're carnivores too. So. Iguanas, iguanas will definitely yeah, yeah. eat. I wonder yeah. if they eat the iguanas. 
I'm saying. It's no. crazy out there in Cuba. No, the people. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they do. I I'm mean, sure they yeah, do. Yeah. I'm mm. sure there's a, a fried iguana right yeah, 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 yeah. somewhere. Hanging on a string over some window. Yeah, yeah. Like if, if there's people in Florida that eat gator, you know there's people that'll eat iguana. Yeah. I remember on a, on a deployment to Australia, I, was, I felt very uh, humbled and privileged that I got to have this platter that was, uh, it was eel, ostrich, and kangaroo. Ostrich. And I was like, oh, Ooh, wow. kangaroo. Like, okay. A little bit of, yeah. And I, I thought, like, kangaroo, like, aren't these, like, things your natural animal? Like, it's like you their want dog. to protect them? Yeah. But no, they're like deer out there. So, like, okay. there's, they just have kangaroo cookout sometimes. Quite, uh, quite Kangaroo cool. cookout. Come on, guys. We, right? We're going to grill some, some roots. Wow. So after you spent some time in the Navy, mm-hmm. uh, you said you were a radio operator. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me what it was like once you started thinking about getting out, or did you want to stay in and re-enlist, or, or what, what was it no, like when no. you started coming to the so end of your me, contract? So for me, on my West Pact, uh, so was, we were back here in San Diego, and I think we, if I remember, it was round. So I got out in 93, so it was, it was fall of 92. So 92, we had our six-month Westpac. And during that time, uh, my chief warrant officer, our, our XO of the uh, of the communication department, he's a CWO, he was doing um, D-based programming, computer programming, basic computer programming. And I was fascinated by what he was able to make the computer do. And that fascination turned into a 20-year career for me. So before even Very being nice. a speaker or leadership trainer, I have you know a, an extensive history and background in IT, specifically software engineer, software okay. architect. And so for me to get out into the military, I looked into the military first. Was, okay, what can I do this profession in the military? In the Navy, at that time at least, um, the closest thing you would get to computer programming, which really wasn't, was the DPs. At the time, it was called a DP rate. Uh, but they didn't actually. What, do you remember what that's? Um, I think it was data processors. Okay. Data processors. So REMs were close. DPs, uh, Yeomans, and the OSs. Those groups kind of somewhat um, call it in the same department, something like that. The but, tech guys. Yeah, but the DPs they didn't do they didn't do programming, and so I knew there was no way I can develop myself as a, as a computer programmer or make money off of it. Um, and so I started doing some research on how much software engineers makes uh, you know, as a civilian. And when I saw, you know, starting salary at around mid-30s, and here I am at, what, 17000 four years E4 in the Navy, it's like it's a no-brainer for me. Right. I'm going. Make the switch. Uh, yeah, make the switch. And what was interesting, I remember, remember during that time, I was, um, so out of, out of A school, I was at the top of my class. I think it was number three in my class, and they gave me um, – they gave me automatic E4 coming out of out of A school. Oh wow! But yeah, but with that, I had to commit to an extra year. Mm. So instead of me doing my original list with four, but in order for me to get that advancement like that, I had to commit to another year. And so around during that time of our Westpac, I was approaching my four year, my fourth year, ninety three, and and I, again I wanted to get out to go be a software engineer. So I remember talking to my our, our petty officer, my first class petty officer. And say, hey, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go out and do this here. So he told me, kind of unofficially told me, saying, listen, they're not going to let you out because you committed to this year. They gave you rank out of A school. They're not going to let just let you out. So you're going to have to, I think in so many words, you're going to have to be a, a, a bad sailor. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he told me. I mean, that's what he told me. In order for them to get you out, you have to show that you are no longer, you know, a good fit for the for the crew anymore. And Bam. so, yes, after a series of, you know, talking back, coming coming into work late, my shift late, uh, you know, and he knew, he knew what I was doing. Right, right. And so he wrote up a letter of recommendation, brought it to our CEO uh, of the department, communications department, and said, hey, you know, Cornelius, he's been showing some, you know, less than perfect uh, leadership as a, because I was a leader at, at, the, at that time for one of the shifts. And so it was all a plot to get me out because I, I, I knew that he knew and I knew they were not going to let me out. Uh, early without showing some kind of, you know, reason to yeah you out. yeah. So I got an honorable discharge, and uh, here I am talking with you guys. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool that you were like able to find that sweet spot between yeah. bad, evil, and like doing I'm, the right I'm, thing. I'm naturally out. a good guy. I'm uh-huh. a good real guy. You know, I I, I tolerate a lot. And I I don't you know make trouble. I just love women too much probably, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I'm not you know it was it was challenging for me to do that but I knew that I had to be bad but not be a nuisance to Mm -hmm. the point where they would kick me out I just had to give them a reason to let me out yeah wow so you couldn't have 
You couldn't have gone to school or you were just done. And Dude, dude listen, Nate, I was making $17,000, maybe even $16,000 as an E4. I had took the advancement three separate occasions. No, it's live. Four separate occasions. They try to cap me. You understand what cap is? When yeah. They, yeah. They try to cap me on three separate occasions. I was like, I'm not going to make rate. Is, you know, I'm not going to go up to E5. It's like, what's the point of me staying in? You know, I'm seeing the money I can make as a computer programmer, going to school, even with a certificate. I can make this kind of money here. I can't make rate. I can't get advanced to E5, not because of my test score, because I didn't have all the extra stuff. I wasn't an ESWAS or ASWAS. I didn't have all the things that they're looking for uh, at that time. And so for me, it was it was a no-brainer. It's time to get out. Yeah. And that's what I started putting into motion, you know, to, to get out. Yeah. I think so, that's a good a good background for your name, Mr. Confidence. Yes. Uh, oh, you, yes, yes. If you knew that you wanted it that bad, that you were like, hey, I, I did my time in service. Mm-hmm. I know this. This isn't where I feel happy. Mm-hmm. I see a better opportunity for me. I think that embodies confidence. That I agree. Says, hey, I see my opportunities. I see what I want instead. Mm-hmm. And you took steps yeah, to so, towards it. So conf- confidence is just a simple definition. It's just, you know, one's belief in, belief in one's ability. And even though I just started... Uh, being a computer programmer in the Navy, unofficially in the Navy, I had enough confidence or belief in my ability to learn this stuff that I knew that I can get out the Navy, leave that security, right? Leave that security, go to college and make a successful career out of that. Absolutely right. Confidence was at the, was at the, the start of that early on in my young adult life because I, that's how I started progressing fast. Even in, in A school, I knew that I could do the job. You know, I didn't have that I didn't have that, uh, that, those abilities, at least I didn't think I had those abilities in high school. Now, no one told me that I had potential. I didn't learn that until I got into the military, which is why I said, hey, if you don't know what you're going to do, go into the military and allow yourself to, to uh, you know, mature a little bit in the military, then go out and do what you want to do. But definitely confidence is a big part of doing and succeeding in life. Right on, right on. So I was just going to ask mm-hmm. about your transition process. Mm-hmm. Did you get out and start going to school right away or find Absolutely. a job so right I, away? I got out in, I think my separation was around June 93. Yeah, it was June 93. And by that fall, I was already in school. And so when we came back in from my Westpac, I think I may have had a month left of, um, of my time in service. And so during that time, or should I say soon we came back, I started looking for where can I go to school in, in California, namely here in San Diego. Uh, DeVry, ITT, those schools were, were popular but expensive. Uh, and so I looked at Coleman University, um, Coleman College at the time, Coleman University, and went there and I was to use my GI Bill in order to, to pay for my school. But again, I knew what I wanted to do. And that's one thing I talk to people now when I'm speaking, doing motivational speaking, is if you have a goal in mind, you have a goal in mind, you commit to that goal, things are gonna start falling in place for you for you, for you to have it. But you have to first know where you're heading and be committed to that journey. Now, did like you it. did you face any challenges in college? I remember you said previously that you you didn't have a high ASVAB score mm-hmm. and you you weren't feeling high school, you weren't feeling all that. That's why I wanted to get out. Yeah. So, what what happened in ch- in college? Were were you did you feel the ability and aptitude to do this? Abs- like, absolutely. Bam. I think the 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 challenge for me was an aptitude. It actually came very natural for me. It, it, uh, computer stuff, logic, programming, engineering came very uh, uh, natural to me. The challenge was balancing being a young man and want to party and want to have life and still yet, you know, make my requirements. How, how old were you around this time now going um, into college? 21. I oh, was okay. 21. Okay. So I, made, wow. I made 21 on our Westpac. So I came back in in 93. I was, I was uh, 21. Yeah, I was 21. Right on. 21 to 23 was that. Yeah, 21 to 3 was that age I was in school. And so, yeah, that was the thing. I still want to go out and party, right? I still want to party. Uh, but I had to be able to balance work, college, and being you know having a life afterwards you know, during that time but it, it wasn't looking hindsight it wasn't a big challenge um in respect because of the natural attitude that i had for what i was doing i knew i had the ability and i had the confidence in my ability to learn these new skills that it's just okay it's something something i i can just do yeah okay so uh but before we get out of college, uh, mm-hmm. any clubs, student veteran organizations, anything that you participate in, or did you kind of like stick to your studies and That's it. get them done? Okay, stick to my studies, party, <laughs> and work. Right on, right on. You, see, you see the common thread there, right? The common uh, themes. Hey, man, you, you got to balance work and play. If you if you <laughs> yeah. work hard, you got to play hard. There's Why not? More play though, but ah, 
<laughs> and where where were you working while you were going to college? So I was living here in El Cajon. I actually lived in El Cajon. Uh, when I got out of the military, I was at the 848 North Mollison. Uh, that was where I lived at for that year and a half. And I worked for LPL Financial. Uh, they're a lot larger now. Uh, back when I was here in the mid-90s, they were a small uh, brokerage house. Uh, but now they're a big company, La Jolla. Uh, so I worked for, for LPL for that year and a half. First job out of the military. I remember going to a temp agency, say, hey, you know, just got the military, this is what I did. Okay, Cornelius, you can go over here, they need somebody to file some paperwork. And next thing you know, they brought me on permanent, I ended up working in the transfer department and went to school during that time and then moved to Atlanta. Okay, so where, where did you make the jump from computer engineering, doing a little bit of finance, because I'm sure you're getting some knowledge from that, mm-hmm. um, to becoming a, a professional personal speaker, or I'm so, sorry, public speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, <laughs> did you like miss a few gigs where after a while where you were like, you know what, I don't like this programming stuff? How, how did that well, transition happen? It's, 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 brace yourself now, brace yourself. I'm about to okay. I'm drop something on you. We're holding. <laughs> so um, I've, I've, I've had a diverse, diverse background because, uh, again, once I started building my confidence, it's like it's nothing that I can't do. I just go for whatever it is I want to do. And so I, I started speaking by being a pastor. So I was a pastor for eight years. Uh, so when I lived in Atlanta, so while I was being a software engineer, computer programmer, I went back to college and got my degree in biblical education. And from that, started my own church, pastor for eight years and whatnot. And so through pastoring and ministering, obviously I'm speaking every Sunday, going out to churches and speaking. That's how I started speaking. And so, you know what? I don't want to do the church thing anymore. I, my message is not just for Christians or for people inside the church. My message is about helping people achieve their, you know, achieve what they want to achieve in life. And so I put that aside. So, you know what? I'm going to go be a motivational speaker now and a trainer. So that's how I got into speaking through ministering for those number of years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then did you do any computer any computer work any IT work after all or, or no oh yeah through the whole time I, I mean I still do IT work now okay. uh, as a as an independent contractor picking up gigs from here and there gotcha, gotcha. Um, so I've never I've never stopped doing IT even through my pastor I was maybe for a year and a half I quit my full-time job as an engineer and went to full-time ministry uh, that didn't work out well so went back to work but yeah the, pretty much through the whole time I was I've always been a software engineer yeah. okay yeah um, I, I got to take the opportunity that sure. we have here for, for our audience, for our listeners, because we have you on again. Thank you for coming on. Um, talking back on confidence mm-hmm. for, for those veterans that are at home, that are stuck on the couch, that can't find yeah. the confidence to get off the couch and participate with other veterans or to, to polish off their resume and mm-hmm. give it a second chance and do something. What tips do you have for veterans that feel stuck in life right now to, yeah. to help them move? First thing I'll say is you're your, you're your worst enemy. I mean, I'm sure if you might hear this often from people, but truly, it's true. You are your worst enemy. Yeah. And because you don't value yourself, then you cannot expect others to value you. And so for, for if I'm talking to anyone, whether you're a veteran or you're a civilian who has lost your job and now you're trying to get back in the workforce, the workforce first thing I'm going to tell you, you know what? Stop beating yourself up. Stop coming down on you because if you're going to come down on you, others are going to do the same. Then I'll go into this this motivational type of thing to say, hey, you know what? The starting point of all achievement is desire. And I'll ask them this question: What do you desire? Sometimes, that's unfortunately, a great, sorry, that's a great phrase. Yes, right yes, yes. The starting point of all achievement is, is desire. desire. Beautiful for you to be, for for us to be where we are today. This TBA podcast, uh, podcast and whatnot. There had to be a desire, right? So you're you you are living. Uh, the achievement of that. So the starting point of all achievement is desire. You have to have a desire, and I like to call it either a strong desire or a burning desire for change. And so if you're a veteran and you're sitting on the couch and you've been dreaming about what I call the dream couch, you're dreaming about going back in the workforce or you're dreaming about having this life and doing something better, stop dreaming about it and get up there and do something. Get off the dream couch and get into what I like to call the achievement mobile, mobile. This achievement vehicle, so you can start doing, which means that the dream couch, you're just sitting there, right? You're not, you're not really doing anything. You're, you're on the couch, the whole context of a couch. You're just dreaming about what you want to do. But when you're in the achievement vehicle, you're actually moving and you're making progress and you're taking action. And so if you're, if you're, if you're out there, you're hearing us talking about you say, what, what can I, Cornelius, what can I do to get myself off this couch? And I'll say it real simple like this. 
get yourself off the couch. It's it, easy as it, that. It's you really, have to make that first step. It really, it's really as easy as that. As easy as that. The, again, the problem is, and why some people don't, is because they're being hard on themselves. They have really uh, have this defeatist mindset or mentality where no one is going to accept me. It's not that no one is going to accept you. It's that you don't accept yourself first. And if you're going to build your confidence and develop your confidence to get the job, to develop your confidence to get more income, to take care of your family, you have to first believe in yourself. If it's just for a little ounce of belief, have enough belief in yourself where you're going to get off that, get off that couch and go take some action. Go knock on some doors. Go drive for Uber. Go do something because what you, under, you have to understand that, that when you start putting things into action, other things start falling into place for you. Other things start happening. You can't have opportunities come fall in your lap if you're sitting on the couch or in the recliner. You got to get out there and do something. Me meeting you wants about me getting out there and doing something. So again, veteran, if you're sitting on the couch and you're wondering how, how can I change, I will ask you this question, how strong of desire do you have? Is your desire for change greater than the effort required? Uh, should I say, is, 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 the, is your desire for change greater than your, your comfortability where you are? Some people just get complacent. They get like, okay, woe is me. Okay, this is my life. No, 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 it's, that, that's a cop-out. Everyone else is going through it. They, they're going through it too. They're, they're not, no, we, we got to stop saying, well, because they're going through it, it's okay that I'm going through it. For me, that's a cop-out. You right. got to get off the couch, get your ass off the couch, if I can say it that way. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I will use the term now that we tend to use in the military. Get your ass off the couch and get fucking moving because that's what yeah. it's going to require. Yes. Yeah. I know this, this is kind of really kind of random, but I remember back in the day it was uh, – Not, I don't think it was uh, ludicrous. It might have been ludicrous, but there was a song. It was "Get Up, Get Out, yeah, Get yeah. Something." Move, move. Uh, no, not, not the move. Not that bitch, outcast. You yeah, but that out, always motivated me, and still in my yeah. head, it's like, "Get up, get out, get something." Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know? Yeah. I think it was outcast. Yeah. 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 It was yeah. outcast for sure. And, and, and purely that's what it requires. But I, and I understand that some people they're they're in a position in their again their mental state where they can't just bring themselves to move. That's very, very real. It's a very, very real thing. And for that, for those people who are in that position, uh, you know, I always suggest to folks, call somebody. Who can you call that can help you move? Hey, get on the phone with Nate. Get on the phone with Juan or someone say, hey, help me move. Get Just get me out of this house. I need help. I cannot do it on my own. I just need help getting started. And once you get that help, get started, then then you'll find yourself having more confidence, maybe, or getting getting further along the road. But if you're in a position where I, you just I've been I've been there personally, where I just couldn't move. It's like you know what I'm 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 so beaten up. This is more of my marriage. I'm so beaten up where I just don't I can't fight anymore in this in this marriage. I had to call somebody. Hey man, you've been through this before. Tell me, tell me, tell me. So you got to be able to do something. So your action is to reach out to somebody and say. Help me with this. Help me get moving. Get off this couch. If you if you don't mind me asking, mm -hmm. have any of your students in your personal coaching have any of them been veterans? Yes, actually, just, just earlier this year here, I worked with uh, he he was transitioning out of the military. Okay, and perfect so, time to yeah, to get yeah. somebody to so he to open their eyes up. He just uh, he reached out to me over LinkedIn September of last year, and he told me, "Say, hey, Cornelius, I see you on LinkedIn. I see your coach, your confidence coach." Um, I have six months before I separate. I, I, can you work with me to help me find a job? That was his main thing, help me find a job. And so when him and I finally met early this year, call it January, I noticed immediately, because I, cause I focus on confidence a lot, I noticed immediately, you're, you're, you, you don't, you're not confident in your abilities. And he said in so many words, I don't think what I have been doing in the Navy can compare to some of the stuff that the civilians are doing. Common, very common. Yeah, I, I, yes, I hear that. And so it's okay, hey, first of all, you have to believe in yourself. What you're doing, so we looked at some job descriptions. It's okay, well, you're doing this, they're doing this. It's the exact same thing. And so at the end of the day, it wasn't about his, his uh, lack of abilities. No, he had the same, if not more, he had the military behind him. And you know, right. in this city here, we favor military folks. I said, your problem is not, it was, we'll just call him Mark. I said, Mark, your problem is not you know, your job and what you've done, your abilities. He said, you don't believe in yourself. 
you're comparing yourself to others. And so when you're doing that, you're just knocking down your confidence, knocking down your confidence. And so through some other things, really with the confidence, they have to work with him, but also help them network, how to go out there and network, how to go out there and do interviews, how to follow up on LinkedIn to get potential employers to want to respond to him. And within uh, two weeks after his separation, he got a job with Deloitte for, I think he said like 20 grand more than what he was making in the, in the Navy. Outstanding. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a good, good story. And again, and good company, too. Yeah, Deloitte. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. That's yeah, great that he yeah. was able to understand, hey, I do have the ability to get yeah, somewhere yeah. better than where I thought I could yeah. go. Yeah. So a lot, I think, a lot, again, a lot of military folks deals with that. The, especially if you've been there for a while, your identity is in the military. That's, that's what you identify with. You identify with this group of people. Not only that, another thing that I found surprising is that um, a lot of, especially those who've been in the military for a long time and they're transitioning out into the civilian world, they're, they're used to being given orders and told what to do where they almost can't think on their own how to make things happen. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And with the identity crisis, who am I now? I've always been told what to do, especially if you're not in a high leadership position. I've always been told what to do. Now, what do I do? They're at a loss. They're, they're finding themselves like, well, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. Who's going to hire me? It's okay. So uh, as a coach, I'm helping these veterans get, these veterans and these transitioning military service members get in this mindset. First of all, you can do this. Let me help you develop your confidence and let me show you that you're no different. If not, you're better, better than those who are already out here in the civilian world. Something I'm, I'm curious, I'm mm. gonna pose it as a question. Mm. I, I feel that confidence, yes, it does come from within, from inside you. And since you mentioned it earlier a little bit, being, uh, being accustomed to a certain environment, so being in the military, would you say that confidence can come from your environment? Absolutely, it can, it can. I think for me, it did. Uh, for me, my confidence was built in the military, mm -hmm. okay? And it's continued to grow as I left. So it can. The problem is, is the disconnect between, uh, or should not say the disconnect, it's their understanding of where true confidence comes from. You said it when to you started talking, with. it's within. And so when you're looking at your, uh, your association for confidence, or you're looking at the car you drive, or the job you have, the salary you're making for confidence, when those things are taken away from you, then it starts to chip away or eat away at your confidence. So understanding that those things plays a part into that but really your confidence is starting to be within and when you can understand that your confidence comes within it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what what um where you at whether you're in civilian life your military life or what you identify with you'll always be able to develop that because you know your confidence starts within and not from something external to you right on and i got a question yeah. along those lines as well because you said you were you were smaller and you, you started mm -hmm. working out and getting bigger in, in, in the military so I know for myself that that plays a role. Do you tell people, hey, get out and work out? Get out I, and play I, some sports yeah. or lift weights? or I, I tell them in my book I have different things that I suggest to do. Physical activity is one of those because that helps with the confidence. It all depends on the person. You know, the person, and it may not be a physical change that needs to happen. It could be, sorry, it could be <laughs> a, uh, a more of a social change that they don't have confidence. Like when we go to Life by Design magazine, you see some people just kind of sit on the outline. That's because- They're, they're what I call a, a fan. They're just left yeah. and right. <laughs> they're, they're, they're there for a purpose. They want to meet people, but because they don't have the confidence to go out and socialize and network with folks, then they miss out on why they're spending two hours, three hours there, plus the drive there. And so I think it's, it's it, you have to look at what is hindering you or stopping you or say it differently, what can help you develop your confidence? For me, coming out of high school, it was my size. I left high school at um, 139, what, almost six feet tall, wow. skinny. I was skinny. I was there. My That's first skin and Cornelius. bones. Yeah, exactly. My first name is Cornelius. They call me Caboni in, in high school. That was kind of like my you know high school name, Caboni. And for me, I knew to develop my confidence, to get my self-esteem up, I had to change the way I look. And as I started changing my physical appearance, that helped me develop myself as, you know what, now I can go talk to girls. Now I can go in front of employers, in front of people, and shake hands with folks. So it really depends on the person and where their area of 
of gap is, and that can be easily determined just by talking. Hey, you know, what are you doing? Just that, you know, just have a, a simple conversation with someone. Actually, you know, this is what's lacking in your life. You need this here. You need to build your confidence in this area here. And yeah. once you do that, it actually helps other areas of your life start having more confidence in. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that for the audience. Because again, I think there's a lot of people listening that might be stuck in that moment of of deciding for action. And like you said, you're you can be your worst enemy. So yes. Anything that we can give our listeners as as a tool as words of encouragement to take action, just like you said, it's it's that small thing. It's get, it's just standing up, getting off the couch. It's, it's yeah, that start. Yeah. It's that start. Yeah. And from there, it's what's yeah. next. What's it's, next? It's, it's have a goal. Again, starting point of all achievement. Achievement points to a goal is desire. And so, you know, I have to ask, you know, the veteran who's on the couch or the veteran who's working a job that they're tired of driving and commuting to every day is, you know, what is your goal? What's your goal in life? What's your goal in your career? What's your goal in your profession? What do you want to be? What do you want to become? And helping individuals identify what that is sets them on a course, a path, a journey of getting to where you want to go. So it's like when we're in the military, when the ship, when we leave San Diego Harbor, we know where we're going because there is a, you know, we have a goal set, we have a heading set. And so when you set your goal, it helps you identify this is where I'm heading. And now you can make um, better decisions along the way because you know if this decision takes me off course then I probably need not to agree to it right. or say no to this here and so for you know, again another tip to talk to the veterans they're like what what do you it's a simple question what do you want to become well Cornelius I want to do this okay good now that we identify that you want to do this now let's work our way backwards what is it going to take for you to do this here well I got to go to college I got to go there okay well no come on pick your head up let's talk Talk you're like you're you, finding exactly. the steps that you have to yeah, take, if yeah. anything. Don't feel like this is impossible. I'd have done some things in my life that I thought, look, again, folks from my high school, they would, they would, I was voted class clown. I was a guy that got held back, not held back in grade, but Cornelius, can you stay after class? I was the one that, I was the one that was getting in trouble, pulling on the girl's hair. I just, I just, I <laughs> I just existed in high school and, and, and was not smart at all. So if I can do it, anyone out there can do it. Grant, I know there may be some issues you're dealing with, which is why I suggest that you go reach out to someone and say, hey, help me along this path. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to become. Can you be my, you know, my confidant? Can you be my friend? Can you help me along this path here? And sooner than later, I think the person will find, you know what, I need you less and less because now you've got me starting. It's like when you're riding a bike. I, teach, I taught my kids, all four of my kids, how to ride a bike. When I'm first teaching them how to ride a bike, I'm holding the handlebars with them, right? You either got the handlebar here and your hand on the seat. Yep. And after a few times around the cul-de-sac, up and down the street, they get going. You let them fall a little bit, but then they get going. You teach them balance, keep moving, keep moving. As you keep moving, listen, listen to what I'm saying, veterans. As you keep moving, you find your balance and you go faster. But you gotta keep moving. If you stop, you're going to fall. Tilting, yeah. Veterans, if you want to get to the next step in your life, you want to get to that next level, you gotta start moving and keep moving because as you keep moving, you will have that forward momentum to get there quicker. Heck yes. Very true. Um, Cornelius, you provide a very valuable service to the community. Uh, speaking of valuable service, I want to give a quick shout out to some of our sponsors for our last camp out. Uh, we recently came back from uh, Big Bear. Uh, had an awesome weekend out there, and it wouldn't have been possible without Axe Ventures. Uh, Axe Ventures in Oceanside, Axe Ventures on 30th Street, uh, and their recent location in Berkeley, and also their mobile location. They now have a uh, Axe trailer. So shout out to Axe Ventures for uh, being able to provide the firewood to keep us warm, to have our events and activities around the campfire, and also to Lamb of God Food Ministries. Uh, folks, if you are going hungry, if there is something that you need in your fridge, in your kitchen, in your pantry, they do food distributions on Tuesdays and Thursdays right around from noon until 3 p.m. Uh, you can find them linked uh, later on in the comments, and we'll give them a shout-out again. It's Lamb of God Food Ministries uh, out in Vista, California, and then Accenture's Oceanside. Great people. Yeah, and we just had uh, Dr. Foley Parker on, so, so hopefully you guys got a chance to check out that episode. And that guy had a story from everything from a Tech 9 mm. to the face to— Point blank. To, to doing what he does now, just distributing food, uh, food for needy families. So make sure you go check out Lamb of God Food Industries, uh, Food Ministries, and X Ventures. Nice, nice. And that's the end of my commercial spiel. <laughs> um, Cornelius, yes. moving on uh, to the services that you provide. You mentioned earlier a book. How many yes. books do you have? Because you don't seem like the kind of guy that would write just one. Well, 
True, but I only have one, and mainly because it's just taking me a while just to sit down and do this mm -hmm. one book. Um, Which is the one that you have out currently? The one that yeah, you have. so my, my, first, my first book that I have out now is called The Confidence Factor. It talks about, again, my story, a lot of stuff that we've talked about here today. Uh, it, it provides you um, strategy on how to develop your confidence. It tells you really the, what, I've, you know, what I feel from my research and my own experience the source of confidence, which we already talked about before, it's just within, being able to develop, develop your confidence. And it also gives you uh, 15 or so mind hacks to help you quickly boost your confidence, which I generally need from time to time. Oh. Uh, and so it's, 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 the book is out on Amazon. Again, it's called The Confidence Factor. You can go out to my website, theconfidencefactorbook.com, and read more about the book there. Can you give us, can you just... Two or yeah, three, you just two or yes, three. I'm, yeah. I'm curious for just one or yeah. two. Yes. So, okay, I'm gonna give you one of my favorite ones. Uh, is stop overthinking it. Just, just I, I, I phrase it different in the book. Uh, I'm trying to think how I call it. Uh, basically, just just get the shit done. Just get it done, right? A lot of times that we don't see this as something that may be hindering our confidence or a barrier to our confidence, but really when we overthink stuff. How they're gonna think that? Just overthinking, overthinking. The next thing you know, you're stuck in this. With, you know, you hear it called analysis paralysis. Yes. And you can't move forward, and that's just slowly but surely eating away, eating away at your confidence. So, stop overthinking stuff. Just get it done. What's the worst they're gonna say? No, we don't. We don't need you. Or no, we're not looking for a job. So what? It's experience that you're getting. You have to understand, especially for veterans looking for a job. You have to understand the more you go out there and do that. Is don't look at the nose. Look at okay. I'm getting experience for how to talk to people, and some folks are afraid to pick up the phone and call or go blindly to a, a, a company and ask for a job. Pride being one of those big things, but you have to understand it's not just about you doing it. It's about the experience that you're going to get. That's going to set you up for that when that right opportunity comes. Imagine there's a, there's a job. Well, okay, that's enough. All right, so another <laughs> yeah, another another mind hack is uh, power pose. You ever heard the term power pose? Power yes, pose, yes. yes. No, I haven't. Power pose. So uh, I do this a lot when I'm, I had to do it this morning when I was about to go speaking. And so it's basically, it's like a Superman pose or a Wonder Woman pose. Something that makes you exactly. Like, so you're, describe it. So, so what I'm doing is I'm squaring my shoulder, poking my chest out. And for me, I have my hands on my hip like either Superman or Wonder Woman. You can choose whatever oh, yeah. pose you want. It could be just, you know, like, yeah, I'm the man. Whatever pose you do <laughs> with. Basically, your power pose sends a rush of, a, I don't know the chemical name, but it's, there's scientific research that shows that. It sends a, a rush of chemicals to the brain to give you that extra confidence, to give you that energy or whatever you need to get past it. So that's a quick mind hack that you can do in order to boost your confidence. And like I said this morning when I was speaking, I had to do that. I had to, okay, get it together. You're about to go on stage, get it together. And when I did that, I was ready to go. I was ready to go. So that's one, another one I liked. Yes. I was going to say, to add to that, not only is it a mind hack for you, but it's a mind hack for others. Because when someone sees you, if, if they see you just all yeah. slacking to the yeah. side, as opposed to you in a Superman yeah. pose, mm -hmm. yeah. they're going to they're see your confidence right, and, right. and your... And, and, and with that, people start to model your behavior. Um, when you're going for job interviews, you know, they tell you to model the behavior of the interviewer. And I would strongly suggest you do that in, until you develop your own, you know, core set of confidence where you can be yourself. But if you're going into an interview and you're, you're, uh, the interviewer is sitting down straight up, then you should sit down straight up. If their legs cross, you should, you should cross your legs within reason. Um, but that's nothing you want to do. So you're right, Nate. When you are, again, if you don't value yourself, how can you expect others to value you? If you don't have confidence in yourself, confidence in yourself, how can you expect someone else to have confidence in you? And so when you go into an interview for a job, if you're not exuding confidence or showing confidence to that person at the employer, well, then you cannot expect them to have confidence in you that you're going to do the job. That you're the right person for the job, so you got to remember it's it, it it it's a a lot of what we're doing is what we're playing out in our mind, and if we can play that out in our mind, how someone is going to receive me, how they're going to see me, if I play out how I want them to look at me, once you start doing that over and over again, trust me, I've done it before. I've gotten people to look at me a certain kind of way, namely because I've rehearsed in my mind how I want this person to 
uh, to see me. Project what you expect. Project the success. So one more mind hack. And we'll, <laughs> yes, we'll get no, on. no, please. All right, one more mind hack. I, I like this in here. I do it every morning, even when I'm not leaving the house to go out and do anything. I put on cologne. So men, ladies, ladies perfume, men cologne. Man, I'm telling you, that I remember sitting down a couple months ago. I was like, man, why my, my day is just not going. And I just was just sitting down thinking. And I was like, I don't know what maybe. I just sniffed a little bit. I was like, you don't have no cologne, though. And so I went upstairs to my room and I, you know, I got an array of cologne bottles and I just picked, picked my, my go-to cologne and I sprayed it on me and whatnot. And I'm like, struck the power pole, now I'm good <laughs> to go. Let's go get on the phone. And so something simple like putting on cologne or a power pose can really boost your confidence because it makes you feel good about yourself. Getting dressed. If you're, you know, if you let's say you're 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 in between a job right now. Maybe you don't have an interview. Get dressed. Put something nice on. Get down there. Go down to your office or your 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 dining room table. Dress nicely, business casual. Start looking for jobs. Go on Indeed. Go on Career Builder. Go on Monster.com. Whatever it is, but be in the attire that you want to work in. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. All of these are again mind hacks, but they're also mental programming that you are doing to help you attract what you want. And when you understand that your thoughts are creating your reality, then you become better at getting the things you want in your life. Jim Rohn says like this, he says, success is not something we pursue, it's something that we attract by the person we become. And so if you're looking for a job, so you know, I want a job, you know what? You don't have to do it every single day, maybe two days out of the week. Get yourself together, put some, put some nice clothes on, put some cologne on, go downstairs and start looking for a job. And see yourself as you're reading these job descriptions, actually working in these jobs. Because now you're programming your mind, mind programming, you're programming your mind what it is that you want to have happen. And by the universal law, it's going to go out and start making it happen for you. But if you don't do that, you cannot expect to attract that kind of stuff. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a paradigm shift yes. here. So I don't think of them as mind hacks. I'll think of them as mind facts. Um, okay, yes. The, the previous episode that we had here uh, with Aiden Damalia, a veteran photographer, mm -hmm. touched on, I think, the, the last two points that you just made, striking a power pose and something as simple as cologne. Mm -hmm. um, I completely agree with the cologne part. Uh, for me, it's Perry Ellis 360 Degrees. Okay. I just, I've always liked it since I was a, a little kid. A cousin of mine had it, uh, and I always thought of that cousin as a very successful person. Um, and then I had this cologne. Hey, it smells pretty good. The ladies seem to like it too. And it's mm -hmm. it's simple. It's, mm -hmm. it's simply as smelling it on yourself or knowing that others would compliment you and say, hey, you smell pretty good today. It's little. It's simple. But it works. It works. It's, it's not a hack. It's a fact. Mm -hmm. It works. Um, and what you mentioned earlier also about the power pose, it's I think of it as a, a feedback loop. Okay. Feedback loop. Okay. It's a confidence feedback loop. Okay. You see yourself in the mirror. The image of yourself in the mirror is a confident, right. well-doing, right, righteously standing person. It feeds back into your mind as into yes, that's me, that's me. I'm yeah. seeing myself. I'm standing. That's me. That's me. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what we talked about on the last episode with our our photographer Aiden Damali. He was saying how it's okay to have that gratuitous selfie. It's okay to have that one picture where it's like I love the right, way I look right. there. That that is how I see myself better because again, it's a confidence feedback mm -hmm. loop. It's you agreeing with the vision, the the image that you're seeing yeah, of yourself yeah. and seeing yes. I'm about to use that, that confidence feedback loop. I like that loop. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Do it, do it. I'm gonna use that. I'll give you credit for it. Uh, right now, uh, but no, <laughs> I, I like those those past yeah, three yeah. facts that you just gave. Thank yeah. you very much for those because yeah. uh, again, for the audience, I don't think they're hacks. They're facts. Yeah. They tie into what our our previous guest uh, was saying. So again, thank you for sharing well, and reiterating yeah. those yeah. to us. Get it done. Yeah. I wanted to say, in addition to that last mind hack slash fact, it's also a fact that um, scent is the strongest um, mm. sense tied to memory. Yes, yes, okay. I've heard so, that before, yes. Oh, I see, yes, yes. Yeah, so if you yes. get into a job interview and they smell you and you smell good, they're going to remember that longer than, right. than the guy before that wasn't wearing any. So yeah, all, that's all the more reasons yeah. to wear cologne, folks. It's, yes, yes. It's it, as, as we as we are seeing here. It's it's little simple things that we fail to do that can really be the the game changer and what we're trying to accomplish. Little simple things like putting cologne on. Who would have think that okay, putting cologne on could actually trigger something 
in your in the potential prospective employer mm-hmm. to make the person want to hire you because like as you said it could trigger memory a success memory in that person and they're connecting yes yes it's feedback loop. it's yes i like yep. to see <laughs> feedback um, loop <laughs> a few more questions before we yeah, wrap yeah. up the episode going right back into the service mm-hmm. Uh, a quick little rapid fire I like to do sometimes. Sure. What was your favorite piece of military equipment? Of uh, course. It I'm could a, have been a vehicle yeah. or a weapon or, or anything. I got to go back to the, the airplanes, F, okay. F-16s, F-14. Being on the aircraft carrier, we, I would see those. I would go up to the uh, QM deck and just watch them take off at night. Uh, so, yeah, definitely my favorite. Even when I'm driving down 15. Uh, Seeing them on Miramar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm 47 years that. old, and I'm still just, like, fascinated by the airplanes. I'm like this, like, ah! <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just always something I've just been fascinated with. So definitely the the aircraft. Okay, right yeah. on. Um, I, I share that sentiment yeah. too. I remember when I first checked into Miramar, uh, I didn't know about the USO or that you could call in mm-hmm. for a ride. So I hopped on a taxi, and like my first image of California and Miramar and, and joining the fleet, the Marine Corps service, uh, was that was kind of coming up to fifteen, mm-hmm. up to one sixty three, and and you see them like, yeah. Running. I was like, wow, like this is real. I'm it's here. real. I'm pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> I was just gonna add to that. Really kind of random, but yeah. when I'm really thinking of it, one of my favorite pieces of air quotes equipment, if you will, right, right. was um, the ACU, the Army uh, Combat Uniform. Okay. Just just wash and wear. Like you didn't have to iron it, didn't have to think about it every day. You just put on the pants, put on the jacket, and boom, you're ready go. to go. There you go. Okay. It's always I I had this one sergeant major that would say, uh, a good marine is like a good piece of gear. And it's like one of those things that at first I was like, that's a little like superficial, I Mm -hmm. guess. But afterwards, no, I I get it. Like there's pieces of gear, there's tools that you have while you're in the service that they, they do what they're supposed to do. They freaking work every time. It's just amazing. So I get it. A good, a good Marine or a good service member is kind of like that, like a good tool. They're always reliable for you. Um, out of your, you said you were only stationed here in San Diego and you yes. had one deployment in Cuba. Uh, any others, any other places so you went and traveled out to? When, oh yeah, I've been a lot of places. Uh, so what was, what was the funnest one or, or the most memorable one out of all the places you've traveled to with the service? With the service, yes. Wow. Hawaii. Hawaii. Okay. <laughs> okay. It was like six guys. We were, oh goodness. We were, uh, <laughs> be careful here. We were in this uh, hotel, and we had brought back a bunch of women to the hotel, and we wake up the next morning. Well, at least I woke up first the next morning, and I'm just looking at just bodies everywhere. That's that's just bodies. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Ew, ew, goodness. <laughs> but um, it's I, like a blackout bomb. Just yeah, happened in like the middle of the man. Night. Sometimes I still scratch my head, like man, the things I did when I was 19, 18, <laughs> 20 years old. Oh, goodness, and I got past it. Driving across, I, I would tell my kids. Uh, when we go across the Colonel Bay Bridge and say, I used to drive, all right, cops, I used to drive drunk across that bridge. And you guys know the bridge. It's, it's, yeah. it's not one one wrong turn, One you can be whew, going yeah. right over. And I just look back at my life now, it's like, man, you know, it's I, that could have easily been me to go overboard because I couldn't tell you the countless time that I've been out partying in San Diego and of course, had to drive back to the base on Coronado and go and just that 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 shows you as a side serious note that shows you the power of the, of the mind that is just doing it's, it's a natural uh, we're on auto programming basically right our, most of our lives is on auto programming so the the brain or the mind knew what to do the mind knows to stay in the lane in most cases um, so when I was in Philadelphia remember I I, I I went to a school here in San Diego and then I had to join my ship in Philadelphia and for us to get the ship from Philadelphia back to Coronado here in San Diego we had to go what they call around the horn mm-hmm. so when it goes through the Panama not deep enough so we had to go around the horn so we went to um, wait the horn like South America yes, horn? yes. oh okay. so we went from Norfolk we went from Philadelphia to Norfolk Virginia all the way around the horn and so we stopped in uh, Chile Mar del Plata Mar del Plata Argentina um, and a and a couple other places there. And so those are some fond memories. Oh, Lord. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, went to the um, Caribbean Islands um, and not yeah Nassau. Nassau. Uh, went to Nassau as a part of a uh, cruise we're on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always wish I would have done. I did a 31st Mew, so it was, it was West Coast. Uh-huh. Uh, I always wish I would have done some of the other muse uh, yeah. or kind of tours that Marines did because I, I remember some of them did go around South America, and I was like, 
god. Yeah, the women out there were nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, they Every, just they love they love as they call them back then. I remember the Yankees. They love Americans because yeah. it was just house music. These you know, yes, yes. Fun times. <laughs> yeah. It was some. It was some fun times. It was some fun times, and I look back at it now. A lot of folks that stayed in, they're retired now. Uh, we had actually had a, a Kitty Hawk reunion a couple of years ago in, the, in Las Vegas. It was nice. just good getting back with all my shipmates and just seeing how we've grown, matured, and whatnot. Some kind of still the same, but uh, most have matured. But yeah, it's just good memories, man, because it 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 made me. It really made me who I am today. Even though it was a short period of time. I know I wouldn't become the man I am had I not had those military days. So it, it taught me what to do, what not to do, and how to be, um, you know, how to be more confident, obviously, but really just how to be a, a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then for my last few questions before we wrap it up, who do you want to thank from your time in the service? Uh, any any shout-outs that you want to give to any former leaders that you had? Sure, or? sure, yeah. Um, I want to thank, uh, and I'm surprised I remember his name so so vividly, I do, is um, uh, Chief Petty Officer Thomas Webb. He was, uh, when I first went to the ship, he took me under, <laughs> underneath his wings, and he uh, he groomed me, and he um, he took care of me, and he actually was the one that had helped me get out early. I mean, I'll tell you a story earlier. Right. And I, we're friends on Facebook, uh, you know, and I occasionally see something post from him. But he was, he's the guy that I remember the most as being that mentor to me that really helped me um, learn the ropes uh, as a sailor um, and just give me that boost of, hey, you can do this. Because he, he, again, my whole, he was on our ship the whole time. So he, he went to bat for me. He was the one that put me before the cap board. He the one that went to bat for me for everything, helped me uh, get to, uh, uh, become a shift leader on, on mids and whatnot. So definitely, uh, shout out to you, Thomas Webb, uh, Chief Pals of Thomas Webb. I'm not sure how far you got up the rank, but uh, you were instrumental in helping me uh, become the person I am today and uh, making it as a good sailor in the Navy. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the last question I'll have, unless you have anything else, Nate? Go for it. Uh, how can our audience members find you? I want everything. I want your sure, Instagram, sure. your web. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go out to uh, – start first by going to CorneliaSimon.com. You can find uh, information about me there. Um, and also um, my book, again, the book website is TheConfidenceFactorBook.com. Uh, my – my Instagram username, as well as my LinkedIn, as well as my Facebook, is Cornelia Speaks. Uh, Cornelia Speaks. You can go out there and find me there. But definitely reach out to me uh, if you're a transitioning veteran, especially if you're in the San Diego area here and you're a transitioning veteran um, and you need some help uh, just working through this process. So I understand it's a journey. I understand that people, if, if not caught soon enough, can wake up three years from now and maybe not homeless, but definitely not living the life they thought they would live. And being back in San Diego now, I realize that we are not doing us. We're not doing good by our, our veterans. Um, I was able to make it just because of who I am and me, my my goals. But wherever wherever I can contribute to help uh, veterans get on their feet and get going, uh, I want to be there for it. Yep. Heck yeah. yeah. Well, uh, hopefully for our next camp out, you can make it. Yes. We're going to be at uh, Mountain Laguna coming up here in two two or three weeks. I can show you the details if you want, but we would love to have you at one of our camp Yeah, I definitely want to come out before. I think we had talked about coming out before the winter time, but uh, before it gets too cold. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, be with you guys today. It's like, you know what, I want to get out there, especially with the, what you call it when we have the. the Campfire therapy? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to be a part of that just to not to give but really to 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 receive uh, because i know there are some things on my chest that i need that kind of environment to be in to, to, to say those things i uh, can't say it on the podcast um and so it'd be nice to be in that kind of environment where it's, it's no judgment it's just hey this is what i've been dealing with and sometimes you know you're not always looking for a resolve it's just to get it off and just hearing other people maybe share their experiences something can click like this is what I need to do. So, yeah. Hell, yeah. Well, like I said, you're you're always invited to our events, Cornelius. Hell, yeah. And then Hell again, yeah. thank you very much for coming and being on the podcast. Yeah, this has been fun. I, I like the setup here. It's, <laughs> you know, we're, we're – because typically I do podcasts that are over the phone, whatnot. But I like the setup here because you can feel the energy, and it really kind of helps, I think, makes a better for a better podcast. So, yeah, appreciate you having me.
Yeah, so uh, Land Shark. Thank yeah. you. So yeah, once again we're at uh, VFW Post nine three two seven. And American Legion Post three six four out here in Santee. Thank you very much for having us, folks. Cheers. Cheers. See you later, Nate. See you later, Cornelius. I am the Don Juan, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Triple B Adventures Podcast. Bom, 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 bom.